You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey guys, welcome back. It is Friday, almost the weekend. We're really thrilled you're with us. And Todd has disappeared. He has found a beach somewhere and disappeared with his family on spring break. So Chance joins me. Welcome back, man. Yeah, Todd's a lucky guy right now. I <laughs> he is. wouldn't mind that with the snow on the ground we have here in the middle of April. It's freak winter storm. Enough to make me want to go skiing again and try to squeeze the last drop out of the ski season, <laughs> but we'll see. No kidding. On our main channel, we have just dropped the Maverick versus Santa Cruz, and this is an episode slated for season 11, uh, one of the first episodes. And then also check out the Mustang Mach-E GT. We were in Denver driving some electric cars and decided we hadn't driven the GT flavor yet, so that was around the Denver area and in yep. downtown as well. Yep. So check that out on the Test Drive channel. But the main news that Chance pointed out to me, we, ha- <laughs> we have these good discussions during the day because yes, he'll, he'll bring stuff up and say, you know, what do you think of this? And it's the 2023 X7, which has been revealed. And I've decided BMW has, is still digging. They're, they're trying to see what's at the bottom of this hole. They're, yeah, they're, they haven't found the bottom yet, apparently. <laughs> I mean, everything else, stylistically speaking, about the vehicle is good. I like BMW surfaces. I like the proportions. I like what they do with the taillights. I like the stance. The interiors are great. And then the front on the new X7 is not unique because... The Palisade has been doing this. The new Pathfinder is doing this. Other car companies have tried this. The, where they the have Nissan the Juke did this the first. Juke did it. Good point. So it's not necessarily new, but this is BMW's new way of approaching the dog sticking its head out the window with its jowls, like <laughs> flapping in the breeze kind of look. I'm not on board, but uh, that isn't the best news. No, the the, the grill is still big. <laughs> it's not like, It's not like M4 big, but it's still enormous. Eyes are more squinty now. But they put lights in the grill, so the grill now lights up. So Down you have, lights. You have have braces or teeth whitening. I don't. I don't know. I, I like the teeth whitening. Yeah. So someone I pointed that out to somebody on Discord the other day, and they're like, "Does that make it teeth whitening?" I forget who said that. It was pretty funny. Well, so think about to the future, 10, 20 years from now, you've got an X seven, and three of your bulbs burn out. <laughs> right. They're LEDs, I get it, but let's say something happens and they short out or they stop working, then what do you do? The cost of now adding these little lights to get your stupid little lights working, I'm not on board, but it does light up the grill and accentuate the grill at night. And this is this is designer think. Later on, it's like, wow, 20 years from now, who cares? We're going to be on to the yeah. next thing. But it's going to be us consumers that have to deal with the, the little things that go out and you've got to uh-huh. keep prepared. So like That's the, all I see. Going to the dentist, getting some fillings put in, or and your filling falls out, and yeah, well, I, I'm not convinced. And then if you look in the interior, hello Mercedes. I mean BMW looking at Mercedes for their large horizontal screen, uh-huh. but it is very much tacked on. What they've done with the EQS, Mercedes with the EQS, I think is brilliant. It is, yeah. They That's- have separated themselves, and BMW. With their new interior look, I mean, this is a flagship. This is what car companies do, especially German car companies. With their flagship product, they set the tone for all the models to come after it. Mm -hmm. Here's the theme. Here's Mm -hmm. the tone. So we get this to look forward to on all the SUVs. Yay. Only it's going to be even more exaggerated because Mm -hmm. the original X7 that this is based off of had a big grill, but it's gotten bigger on everything else. Yeah. And the interior, that screen, I'm not convinced need to drive one, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, before we get to our couple of car debates on Instagram, Greg M wrote to me and he pointed out correctly that I got some facts incorrect. And I appreciate Greg, you writing in, I talked about the C6 427 as a big block, which it is not. It is an LS seven small block yep. masquerading as a big block yep. because of the power output. But I got that wrong and I sure appreciate it. We, we definitely try to get all of our facts Right. I mean, that, that's, we pride ourselves on that. So when we're wrong, hey, we're wrong. But they're, they're crate motor. That's what I was thinking. I hear 427 and I instantly think big block. Yeah. Because their crate motor, of course, yeah. is a big block, but not this time. So, Greg, I really appreciate you writing to me and, uh, and pointing that out. I don't know if anyone makes a true big block anymore. I, I mean, and why would they from here yeah. on out? Yeah. 
right? What what would be the point unless uh-huh. it is a crate motor and that's what that, it's for? That new Ford big monster thing they're building. Uh, I guess yeah, that technically counts, but it's, they don't put that anything in anything. I suppose. Well, nevertheless, we've got a great couple of debates from Jesse N in Denver, Colorado, and we've also got Joel in Olympia, Washington, writing to us. Jumping in with Jesse's debate, he writes to us asking for ways to CUV his way out of a truck problem. Yeah. See this? I did. He's a Denver man. He's unhappy with the practicality of a Mustang GT or lack thereof. So he bought a pickup and discovered body on frame handling woes. Yeah. He says at the beginning of 2021, he traded in his 2017 GT, Mustang GT for a pickup truck. Mustang was his dream car and it lived up to that. He said it was fast, an event to drive. The exhaust note never failed to put a smile on his face, but its lack of utility started getting in the way of his outdoor hobbies. Well, he moved from Florida. He says, flat, no snow, and miserable to be outside. Wow. It's probably not wrong a little bit <laughs> the there. Throw down there. Humid and hot. and yeah. I suppose so, but there's a lot of good boating to be had. True. He moved to Colorado. Mountainous, mountainous, four seasons, and he says, the state to be in if your Tinder bio has hiking photos. I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, Utah's pretty good on that, too. Utah's good there, too. This was the end for the Mustang. He wanted something that would enable, enable him to be outdoors and not act as an excuse. So we bought a truck, 2019 Ford Ranger FX4. And at first, it was everything he thought he wanted. It ate up the highway miles, cruised through forest roads. It matched your Tinder bio. Yeah, he did the off-road thing a little bit here and there. Posed with your truck in the background. It's like, yeah, you're living the yeah. off-road lifestyle, right? He says it carried all the gear he and his friends could need. He took it properly off-road a few times. But then the honeymoon period wore off, and he discovered the downsides of body-on-frame vehicles. It's miserable to drive in the city. The suspension tuning that made it a beast off-road was a nightmare on-road. The transmission and engine seemed to negotiate when the gas pedal is pressed. And while the bed <laughs> has been useful, he would get more utility from a more standard body style. While he could fix these issues with new shocks or a tonneau, it's a few grand he could instead put towards a new vehicle. While we say, once you think about selling it, it's gone. It's gone in your mind. Yeah. Yeah, if you have a thinking. thought like, yeah, I wonder if I should, you've already divorced yourself from that vehicle and you're thinking gone out of my life because you're already searching. You're already looking. Yeah. So he's looking for something with all wheel drive, good ground clearance. He's not, not looking for the Jeep thing. He's not going to go rock crawling or anything like that, but wants to feel pretty good down the you know poorly maintained forest roads of the Rockies. So unibody construction, not another body on frame vehicle. Better gas mileage than, than his current truck, so better than 21 MPG combined. That's that's a pretty low bar to set. That, that should be, should <laughs> better be than difficult. 21. Let's start yeah. there. Okay. But also be fun to drive on the mountain roads on the way to his camping spots. Okay. I hear that. I mean, that's a sports car, but then you have to stop at the edge of the asphalt. Right. Or hope that it's a really smoothly paved dirt road. <laughs> And then you're in Yellowstone National Park. Yes. <laughs> uh, also needs to have decent passenger and cargo space for when he takes his friends camping and skiing. Up to three adults and gear adds up quick. He also launches hobby rockets and the ones he uses apparently fills up the bed of his own truck that he has already, which those must be some pretty good sized rockets. Jesse, you're a rocket man. That's really cool. I have never met anybody that launches hobby rockets. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so... Uh, no CVTs, doesn't like them. Uh, all in, he's around 34 to 38 grand. For you, Paul, he says 42 because, you know, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when, whenever I say that money is no object, I'm directly quoting Charlie Ross. Now, he's an auctioneer that works for David Gooding. Yep. And he calls as the auctioneer, along with David, the Pebble Beach auctions and the Scottsdale auctions. But he's also on Antiques Roadshow. He does a lot of show on BBC. But my favorite part is that he's poking fun at all the rich people. Oh, because yeah. he comes to look at cars as antique things, not as we look at cars as like, ah, oh, this you know special thing, and I, yeah. I have a different attraction. He's just looking at it like, you're about to pay what kind of money for this antique, creaky old thing? Fine. And when he <laughs> says, it's no money, he is completely skewering these rich people. Oh, yeah. If you're here and you're thinking about spending a million or more What's another half million to you, you bum? Right. Spend it. Come on. Because, of course, the auction house makes more money. He makes more money as you know, his commission. But he's always skewering people. It's so great. So it's, uh, it's the great Charlie Ross. He's hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, back to the debate. And to your point, a lot of people write in after the fact. 
and say my budget doubled or tripled. I admit some satisfaction in that. I, I admit some vindication and, and my, there. My own nice. father was an example of that. He wrote into the podcast. <laughs> That's right. You guys covered it. That's and right. Todd suggested he get an EcoBoost Mustang and a Crosstrek. They bought the Crosstrek and a GT350. <laughs> Not, not quite the same thing, but you know. <laughs> and see, so you just told me he properly right. broke it in because he got his first speeding ticket in it, right? He did, yeah. yeah but the, it was like reduced to work or something. Yeah. He got off pretty nicely there. Well, jeez. Well, good for him. Well, some of the top vehicles Jesse has considered are that Bronco Sport Badlands. He says outstanding off-road chops for the class, appealing styling and interior design, healthy acceleration. This was the car he wanted to buy, but he couldn't, so he got the truck. He also has the new Mazda CX-50. Mm-hmm. What, right now, we've got the Mazda CX-5, the slightly upgraded 2022 CX-5 in the driveway, and we love the CX-5. We can't recommend it more, and we look forward to getting yeah, in the C- CX-50. But yes, the proportions are just a little bit better. He says it apparently has rave reviews for on-road handling. Its interior is outstanding. That is the Mazda Forte. And Jesse has always had a soft spot for Mazda. Interestingly, some vehicle, vehicles that don't make the cut are the CX-30, because it's too small, yes. And bringing up that Ford Maverick and Hyundai, Hyundai Santa Cruz, Jesse, I encourage you to watch the piece and at least come away with that, making sure that you don't think the truck bed is useful for you, because we were both impressed by various aspects, and I think it's going to open up a new world for people. Yeah. Want an SUV, don't want a truck, that is the sweet spot, so pick your... Pick which one works for you. And beds aside in those things, they have a lot of storage in other places. <laughs> Depends on how big a stuff you're hauling, but they've got storage in clever places all over the place in both of those vehicles. That Maverick is like a plastic Plano toolbox, like a fishing tackle box. Right. Again, well, that's a cubby. Huh, what do I own that would fit in that little cubby? I don't know. I'm going to have to go searching through my junk drawer, but Seriously. I've got to put it into your somewhere in there. But there's a spot for it. Whatever goes there, there's a spot for it. It is the truck equivalent of your junk drawer in your kitchen. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jesse also says, any Jeep, insert CUV name here, pricey for what you get. He's not impressed with their powertrains or interiors. I keep seeing a lot of Grand Wagoneers around, and now they're extending it, so you've got the Suburban Mm -hmm. Fighter because that's what they needed. Yeah, right. He also mentions the RAV4. He says the off-road models apparently handle poorly on the road. I don't think we got that uh, I didn't that get that sense. We liked all. it uh, more than you're giving it credit for here, Jesse, even though you're right. The Prime, you're getting a, a good powertrain, but it's something that is in a lot of Toyota vehicles. But we do like that Prime a lot. That is a good choice. So he says, what are his blind spots? Any cars he might have missed? Jesse from Denver. Jesse, really appreciate your writing. All right, what do you got? What do you got? Well, I'm going to point it back to the Bronco Sport right up front. Why not? You said you wanted it. Why can't you get it now? There, there's some used ones out there. It's probably, I didn't look. There's probably some down in your budget. That's They're a good point. Very What's stylish. They're great off road. Great road manners. It's still a Ford product if you want to keep it yeah. in that family. Yeah. Seems like a solid option. The, the RAV4, we loved the RAV4, the new one. And every flavor we've had, we've had it in just about everything now. That TRD Indeed. off-road version was actually pretty great. That was good. It was pretty good. And, and driving it, and it on drove road, on, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, comparing it to like a Tacoma or the Forerunner, which we also had, which were awesome off-road. Right. They're they're not great on road. They're both. They're going to be the same old. as as your your Ranger there. But, yeah. But they'd also do that that off-road rugged go up in the mountains of camping thing really, really well. Yeah, they're spectacular. But they're also expensive, and they're not going to get as good as mileage, gas mileage as that RAV4. Um, another one I think you missed, and I think you probably missed it because most of them have CVTs, but what about the Crosstrek? Okay. It's a little smaller, kind of sporty hatchback little, little thing. Uh, I mean, they, he's got three adults in gear, he says. Yeah, so it, it may work. It, you can get them in a manual. They're practically sponsored by the Rockies. <laughs> or, the, or is it the other way around? Maybe Subaru sponsored by the Rockies. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's the Colorado Convention Center, at yeah. least. The, the Better Business Bureau there. So there's that option. Um, I do have a wild card. I think might be the play. It depends on how much dirt driving road you really do. What about a newer BMW 3 Series wagon? Interesting. They're all-wheel drive. They have a manual available. They have the great eight-speed CF transmission if you go the auto route. You could do the Matt Farah thing, and all cars go to heaven three. He jacks up his three series and <laughs> puts knobbies on it. Yeah, you could do that if you wanted to. <laughs> the point is it would go down a, 
a pretty basic dirt road. I don't know how poor of a dirt road it would go down, but it would go down the average fire road, I would suspect, mm-hmm. and hold mm-hmm. most of your stuff. So, so look at how much dirt road driving you really do, but that would be great getting up there and back for sure and still hold most of your stuff. Yeah, yeah I see that. But the one I'm really leaning for, for towards you for you is actually the, the Kia Sorento X-Line. Remember oh, that? We had yes. that last year. The, one, the X-Line package I think they should put on their minivan. Yeah, that one. It's their off-road-ish version. It's got a little bit of a lift, some off-roadiness. It's got comes in cool colors. Uh, they start at thirty-five grand and fully loaded, brand new. They're forty-four. So yeah, they're, we they're like well that. within your budget, and they'll hold all your stuff. Uh, seats fold down, and in the back, they're, some of them have that third row, which you can you know get rid of that. Don't need right, that. Right, right. But they're they're a pretty solid option too. That's just cargo space. Those are good choices. I I like them. I, I'm just so. I find it so funny because the CUV truly is addressing people's lifestyles. As much as I hate to admit it, you know, I want a Mercedes AMG anything for you, Jesse. It's way out of your budget. Yeah. But that is fun on the mountain road on the way to the campsite totally. or whatever. They're just not great off-road. I wouldn't really take it off-road because, no. you know, I they're more of a sports point. car underneath. But uh, it's just continually amazing to me the balance but i think manufacturers could do well by providing something more towards the ruggedness like that x-line package and then something more that is just you know takes care of the people's needs family cargo but still fun to drive and the ones that are right in between are few and far between i do think that cx50 will be a great choice and you should look into that but i will suggest the new nissan pathfinder for you we had one. We recently drove the the new QX60, which is the gussied up leatherized version of it. And we kept looking at each other going, Pathfinder, they're 42 yeah. grand. Why not a Pathfinder? Why would you go Infinity? Pathfinder, it just seemed friendly and easy and rugged enough. And on their website, it says return to rugged because Nissan will probably admit this. The Pathfinder became what the Toyota, Toyota Highlander is. I'm just sort of like, oh, you don't want a minivan, get a Highlander. Right. But it's not quite the off-road thing. There's just a little bit of a stigma that comes with it. It's not quite the off-road thing. But the Pathfinder has gone back to its roots. It's in the name. That's true. They're making it rugged and off-road again. It's finding the path. It's finally doing its (laughs) thing. And we liked it a lot. You have to dip into the throttle heavily to get the power, but it is there. Not really on paper, but it's there. And we liked it. It just seemed easy to live with. The interior shapes were good. Ours was green. We got, we got green, the, yeah. the test drive channel uh, when we reviewed it. And coming away going, yeah, the styling works. And they're doing it. The Pathfinder is doing what the BMW X7 is trying to do. But yeah, true. I think they're far they, more successful. And if you needed a truck bed, the Frontier is built on that same platform, is it not? Yeah, right. So, exactly. I, I believe so. I don't know. It probably gets better gas mileage than that Ranger. Maybe. Uh, Probably yeah, similar anyway. I would think so. I think that Ranger is a low bar, like you said. The other ones that I really want you to have include the Genesis GV70, but they're $64,000. Right. If there's any way I can persuade you, just hear Charlie Ross in your head. <laughs> Jesse. It's, it's no money. No money. If you're already spending that much, what's another 500000 Come on, man. Volvo XC60s are also above your budget, but I did think of the Acura MDX third or fourth generation. Yeah, I thought those two, but the they space is kind of an issue, I think. They're a little bit of an issue, but they're technically three rows, so you'd have to True. fold the row down and you'd have the space. And the Chevy Blazer is this outlier. I really didn't want to like it. I know. On paper, I don't. And then it came, and we kept looking at each other going, this actually isn't bad. Dang it. <laughs> it's not <laughs> really not bad. It's spacious and feels good to drive and... It's it's a classic example of you got to look past the name. No Unfortunately, kidding. they muffed that one. Totally. Let me tell you. They didn't bring out a blazer to compete with a Bronco that looks like a blazer, the K5 blazer. Right. And they brought out that thing. That's just another SUV. And that's, I think, why the name didn't match the style to me. Yeah. And so I instantly dismissed it. But Jesse, it's actually pretty good to drive. And it does feel a bit Camaro-ish in the interior. There's it comes in fun colors, too. Smart- <laughs> The fun colors, that's the only reason. <laughs> See, that's a, that's a salesperson technique. Comes right. in fun colors. It's really a turd, but man, the colors are great. What do you think? What do I have to do to get you into this car today? Jesse, I hope you find something, but please let us know in your car conclusions when you do find something and you decide on it, and hope that helps.
With summer approaching and temperatures warming up, why not be prepared by protecting your vehicle with a custom-fit dash mat and a sunscreen from Covercraft? Dash mats are available in a variety of attractive fabrics and colors and will keep your dashboard from being cracked by the sun. And sunscreens will help you reduce those interior temperatures and help keep the sun off the interior surfaces too. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, remember to use our code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers that keep your car protected and looking its best. Well, Joel B. writes to us from Olympia, Washington, willing to sacrifice handling for style. Sound like a designer, Joel. He is uh, graduating about to graduate college. Congrats. That's hard work well done right there. And is looking to buy a new car. He's been living in Portland for school, but moving to Olympia here pretty soon. And eventually wants to move to Salt Lake City. We would happily welcome you here. Yeah, right on. Um, he currently has a 2010 Mazda 3 with the smaller 2.0 engine and a 5-speed automatic. Says it's been completely reliable and decently fun for what it is. But it's it's time to move on and time for something a little, little more interesting. You associate the car with your time at something, whether it's a time yeah. in life, a time with a job, a time with another person. And for whatever that reason is, you want to move on from it, which we totally understand. It sounds like it runs perfectly well. Yeah. There's no reason to get rid of it. And if you're looking for what your budget is, it's a car we'd suggest. $8,000 and under, that's your hard budget. Yeah, the reason for that is he's he's hoping to use the money that he gets out of selling this car and put that towards the next car without having to spend anything else. In unrelated news, Joel B. in Olympia, Washington, is selling a 2010 Mazda 3 with 110,000 miles in solid condition. Anybody take her <laughs> if they want it. Please write to us. Or... <laughs> exactly. Uh, I will say the downside of, of your strategy there is you're going to be making more of a lateral move because the mm. your, your budget, you're not going to get any into anything that's really that much nicer unless you go older or higher miles. So I would also, I'd just suggest, you know, bumping that up to about 10 grand. See, and we were just talking. The thing is 10 grand opens up a lot more options. I agree. But what two things besides cars and houses do people turn into pliable, wishy-washy, can't stick to their guns kind of people? Yeah. You walk into a house. Oh, honey. Look at this feature. Oh, the view. It's just outside of our budget. It's like another 40 grand. What do you think? Look at that kitchen. You know, yeah. Look at the kitchen. Look at the space. Look at the... Uh, name the amenity. Right. And that will change your mind. Same with the car. You get into it. You love the color, style, how it handles. You just want it, and it changes your budget. So as much as I respect the hard budget, and I understand the realities of the budget, Joel, whenever I see the word hard budget, stop there, no more, eh, Cut it off. Yeah. I still have to say, when you find the one you want, it ain't going to be eight doesn't grand. Anymore. <laughs> You're going to find the one you want for like ninety nine fifty. And be like, ah, start searching the couch for loose change. Yeah, right. Friends, family, fools. Hey, got a twenty? I just really want this car. Yeah. It happens. I'm teasing you, but I I do understand the balance. But houses and cars. What other products? What other things do we buy in life that we're willing to? blow past the budget right just because we want it yeah so it's a much more emotional thing that's for sure uh, it says he looked at, looked a bit at the lexus ls400 so 98 mm. to 2000 because of the additional gear and more it has horsepower. another gear <laughs> okay <laughs> like it uh he's not set on that by any means other options he's looked at is the mark 5 gti and mark 1 audi tts hmm. um he's also, he's just not sure what else he might be missing here. Uh, would like something more reliable than not, but he's okay with sacrificing some of that and poor MPG for a car that's fun and stylish that will make up for that. <laughs> Less than ideal reliability and poorish miles per gallon. Boy, do I have the car for you. You do. Keep going. Okay. Well, he, he says he's okay with automatic or manual. Prefers manual. Uh, he also doesn't care if it's front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive. Drivetrain's just kind of there, I suppose. <laughs> Does the car move? <laughs> yes. But Check. His, his big thing uh, is style and sound. He's okay with sacrificing handling for those two things. He, he really prefers and loves the Jaguar F-Type and Lexus LC500 over the 911 and Corvette C8. Uh -huh. so style is definitely... 
more of his thing there. Also says that he likes weird cars here and there from other companies like Saab or Alfa Romeo, just the odd company from your, the odd model from your normal type companies. Uh-huh. Well, uh, what do you have for him? I have many ideas. I went round and round on this. This one was a tricky one. Joel, I love that you're really, you're shopping. And you're graduating college, you're on to grad school, it looks like. And I understand that there's priorities in your life. And you've got to make a decision because you're still in your education phase. And that is very important. So I applaud you on that. I encourage you. We've got some choices here for you. And I started in the, well, weird. Because I, I like you... I like that you said you like a, an odd duck, an odd weird car here and there. And just because LS400s can be bought for $8,000 doesn't mean you have to buy one unless you really love them. Yeah. We know someone at UMC, and he commutes out to UMC, the track, from Salt Lake City. And he found a North Star-powered mid-'90s Cadillac mm. just to commute out there. And he found it from... I think it was the whole little old lady story and he bought it and he's like, this isn't me, but for the commute, he can just float. He floats out to the track. That's his commute car out there and then floats on the, on his way home. And he bought it for like two grand. He's like, look at this low mileage Cadillac with the North star. Like, what do you do with this? You take it to work. So SVXs are weird. Subaru SVXs. I've always kind of liked those to be honest. They're, They're wacky, wacky and heavy and they don't perform well, but they are weird. But again, let's go with a, a little bit different, but not quite so strange. I was looking at the Infinity M45s, Ooh, yeah, mainly because you brought up sedans, and they're not Lexus, which might hold its value because it's a Lexus, but the Infinity Ms did not. That M45, those were sort of like the almost CEO car. It had a V8 too, didn't it? It had a V8, yeah. so they're cool. But I moved on to the 2003 to up to 2011 Acura TSX. Mm. I thought if we're going to talk about TSXs, how about that super weird 2011 TSX sport wagon that we've mentioned way years ago? We talked about that sport wagon. I saw one in town the other day and I went, oh yeah, that wacky 2011 sport wagon. But if we're talking wagons and weird engines like inline fives, Mm-hmm. Volvo 850R wagon. Can you get mm-hmm. one for eight grand? Can you, f- I mean, come on. How cool is that? Yeah. Because wagons, any wagon, you will instantly be known as the car enthusiast. Oh, you've got a wagon. Yeah, totally cool. But if we're not going there, how about a Fiat 500 Abart? Yeah, those are cool. How about a Mini Cooper? I mean, you wanted less than ideal reliability, Quirky, and that's cheapsy, where the yeah. Mini Cooper lives, right? Yep. It's good but less than ideal so either one of those those are top of my you know small compact hatchy if you had 500 a barton mini cooper i did want you to get the z3 maybe put a hard top on it but if you were looking for a rear wheel drive cheap sports car i'd say get that out of the miata just because it's different and yeah. just because you like weird so start with volvo 850rs poke around the 2011 acura tsx sport wagon and then go get yourself a 500 a bart there you go well, I, I kind of went the opposite direction. I went for for just oddball two-door cars. Okay. Uh, the, the first one I came up with was, what about the CRZ? That's a good one. You could go back it's, further and get the CRX if you yeah, wanted to. Yeah, The CRZ, it's it's that hybrid little two-door. You can get it with a manual. They're they're medium fun, we'll say. They're they're not they're not a CRX, <laughs> but they're still they're they're a hybrid that's masquerading as a sports car. That's not yeah. really a sports car, but. They're they're interesting looking and and they'll get great gas mileage. It's true. It's true. Uh, the next one I thought of was this one. This one's going to blow your mind actually a little bit. But what about the Chrysler Crossfire? Interesting styling. Oh. It's it's definitely quirky. It's sporty. It's more capable than you think it is. But it's not it's not like Porsche typeness. But it'll surprise you oh. with what you can do, especially coming out of a Mazda three. The Daimler Chrysler partnership era. Mm-hmm. I, but you can get low mm. miles ones for within your budget. The only saving grace is that it's an SLK underneath. Yeah. And even then, it's not like, wow, what a great sports car. It was okay. Right. But like you said, he's willing to sacrifice handling for something that's stylish and interesting. <laughs> 
Style is in the eye of Style's the Style's definitely in the eye of the here. Yeesh. Did those come with the same powertrains as the SLK? I the mean, first, the first gen SLK, My yes. question is, can you get a manual? Yes, you can. Okay. The SRT6 was auto only like the AMGs. Okay. Because it's the same thing, I believe. <laughs> See, I've, I've blocked that car out of my mind just purely because of <laughs> style. So I hadn't pursued the rabbit trail. I, I don't know. Yeah. So. Um, the other two I thought of, the, the 05, the 09 Mustang GTs, the retro body styles ones. They're, you're not going to get the great Coyote. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. kind of a big car, but they'll, they'll have that shoutiness if you put an exhaust on it. They'll have that, that F-type kind of loud and proud just Mustang. <laughs> the sound that makes my head turn. Is that a fur a Mustang? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Five liter V8, right? Yeah. My head turns. It's always one of those Mustangs. It's never the hot exotic. I think it is. <laughs> uh, but the last one I thought you did mention in your email that you've watched our cheap car episode a lot. The one we released last summer, the challenge. Yeah, right, right. Um, and you mentioned that there's a lot of those cars you don't think you'd want to live with every day, mostly because they're convertible. But what about a Solstice GXP? I found a couple of those that are under 10. Okay. They're manual. They got that supercharged. <laughs> Between eight and ten, see? Yeah, see? Just pushing on it a little bit. Yes. But it's it's a Miata and S two thousand alternative with two hundred and sixty horsepower and a manual transmission. Not bad. And not bad. The automatic will still close. Or the automatic, the top convertible top will still close. Yeah. It'll shelter yeah. you from most things. I mean, eventually, Joel, if you when you move to Salt Lake City, we'll say, we have found out there's many people in town who don't buy winter tires and yet they live in salt lake city true now there's some days when you think what are you guys doing there's other days most days when you can get around on all seasons and be just fine mm-hmm. so you're going to have to determine when are you moving are you moving and even though you have a small sports car if you stick in the salt lake area Okay, what's your tire choices? But that does come into play no matter right. what car you get because I guarantee you're going to want to go skiing and that's up the hill to Park City or up to Alta or up one yeah. of the big or little Cottonwood Canyon. So you're going to want to get up there and you're going to get into some weather. Just saying, are you willing to pop for winter tires? If you say you get the Solstice GXP, yeah. are you willing? Or that's that that crossfire, part the, of the rear car tires, the rear wheels are yes. taller. They're like 18s or 19s and the fronts are smaller. Yeah, it's oddly stagnant. So yeah. So you'll have to, have to consider that for sure. Now, many people do the separate set of wheels because it is a pain in the butt to have your tires taken off the rims and new ones mm-hmm. put on and do that twice a year. Total pain. We get that. So then everybody finally bites the bullet and says, all right, just buy the second set of wheels. And so you can tell. You, you yeah. Know, the SUVs, they've got kind of a nasty wheel design, but then you see, oh, you're on winter tires still. Fine. You know, yeah. Give it a pass. Only you can determine what kind of image you want to present for your grad school days. Wish you all the best. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Got some emails sent to us by listeners. RSNVice9 says, thank you for your wonderful podcast. Her husband loves listening to us. Thank you very much. And when they go on road trips with their teenage sons, we all love listening, she says. She's got a quick question. Her husband has a Mazda MX-5 Miata and a Veloster N. And he sometimes loves to go around turns very quickly, which freaks her out. She dreads those moments. She says she loves her husband dearly, loves driving with him, and wants him to enjoy the experience while she's in the car. But she feels badly asking him to be gentler on the turns. What are our suggestions? Her husband actually admitted that if the roles were reversed and she were driving, he'd have a hard time being a good passenger. Yeah, the whole lack of control thing. Yeah, it is. I know car- people who don't want to fly because they're not driving the plane. I was just going to say, I know a lot of car people that don't want to ride with other people that are also good drivers just because they're not the ones driving, and it kind of freaks them out a little bit. <laughs> RS and Vice 9 says, is she being selfish to ask him to change his driving when she's in the car? And do your friends, do our friends or significant others have that same reaction? Well, what do you think? Well, 
I have a couple thoughts here. When your when your husband's taking these corners, is it something he he just does out of the blue at complete random? Is it just some random corner all of a sudden, or is it something that that you kind of know is coming and you can see it coming and you can look ahead and and prepare yourself? Okay, I can see, like surprise. I just suddenly yeah. attack the corner and you yeah. weren't even. Is there a sudden corner it? or is like is it a quick jerk of the wheel or is it is it are you looking down at your phone and not paying attention to the what's going on around you? Because um, okay. I mean, okay. I mean, that all affects you. Um, a story I keep thinking of that came to mind was um, Todd took his son out to the track once and they did that drifting thing. Yeah, right. And and his son complained about you know not liking it too much because he couldn't see where they're going. But as soon as he was able to look out the window and see which direction they were headed and kind of get a feel for it, he had a lot more fun doing what they were doing. True. That also reminds me of when he was looking out the front when they were drifting and getting car sick. Yeah, Instead yeah. That, that's what looking that's to what where I remember. Going. Right. Yeah. You know, turn your head so you're looking at the trajectory. The direction you're going. And he was getting car sick. I was like, oh, buddy. Looking up the road, it works for track yeah. driving, but it also works for driving around the street. Because if you're looking 20 feet off your hood versus looking around the corner you're going around, it's going to make a huge difference on how you're feeling just in the passenger seat, even. It'll make it a lot less abrupt and abrasive feeling. That's true. I like your suggestion about giving the advance warning. No advance warning for and sure. And just planning on it. Okay, this set of curves, you know, is my favorite set here. Like, Hang can, on, honey. Can you just deal with it? And, yeah. you know, we're going to have a little fun. Okay. You know, if, if, you, if it's right. a compromise and then the rest of the time yeah. you're backing off and you're driving normally. But also, is there something you can teach him or he can teach you? I'm asking because here's why I like to do that. Here's where I feel the tires and look at the fun you can get out of this car. Hey, now you try it. Let's go back. And now you try it. Yeah. Uh, There could be a a new level of fun that you guys find. And the other thing is too, just like anything else in a marriage, it's all about compromise and communication. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll you'll have to figure that one out. What works for you guys. And then we, we can give you suggestions, but that's something you'll have to work out amongst yourselves too. The other email we recently got was from Christopher N writing to us recently asking about two cars the Exocet Miata or the Low Cost 7 L O C O S T 7 and yes there is a website there's a UK low cost ownership uh, site and forums this is the down and dirty do it yourself caterum build even though caterums are technically the Probably down the and dirty thing. Lotus 7 then this is the kit car version of the kit car thing yeah so it's an even less expensive way to get that look and build it yourself. It is a thing. He says for a homebrew project, which one? If he goes low cost seven, he would do a bike engine like a thousand CC Yamaha from an R1. Wow. Scream. That would be interesting. It'd be a very interesting build, but I gravitate towards the Exocet just because of the variety of parts available and the things you can do. And I love the look of it. I, I like the style better and I like a Miata handling in an even lighter weight package, and there's no roof. It's it's like a it's like a do-it-yourself Ariel Adam kind of thing. Yes, and I like that particular. I, look. I like the concept. I don't care for the way it looks myself. I think it's just just goofy looking, and I I just don't get it. Okay, but I get it, but I don't. The the Caterham Lotus Low Cost Seven. I mean, it's that classic look. It'll look like a tiny it little go kart and. But to your point, with Miata parts and racing and just how much there's available there, that'll probably be your cheaper, more easier to maintain option. I think easier to build because unless somebody has set the standard of dropping a thousand cc Yamaha engine, and it has to be that engine, it can't just be yeah. another thousand cc because your mounting points are different, things about the engine are different, it fits differently. Unless somebody's blaze this the trail already for you to drop a bike engine in yeah you're going to be manufacturing your own parts you're going to be doing a lot of builds so the question you have to ask yourself christopher is how soon do you want to be driving yeah how big of a project do you want do you want it to be a lego set where you're following the instructions to put the kit together and you're done or are you wanting to just have the free-for-all here's your box of parts now figure it out (laughs) exactly moving over to facebook questions paul kavanaugh says paul please discuss the new hyundai palisade nose is this a bold new styling direction or is Hyundai losing its styling mojo? I've looked at it carefully and I've decided that they've kept the same theme and refined those lines and they're far more geometric. They're far more German in execution, which resonates with me. I like it a lot better. It's refined. The, the curves and the intersections are more geometric and more mathematically defined 
for my eye. It's mm-hmm. not so free form. And let's draw that. And that line drops to the ground there. And then, you know, we've got a horizontal intersection that could be anywhere. This looks like they were paying attention to curves and where the tangent of that curve is, yeah. and you know, coming right off that. So it's very much a, a geometric, you know, kind of a grid based system that resonates that. with yeah, me. I can see that. But you notice Paul, that they are doing and blazing their own trail with this look that BMW has tried. And I think to a far more successful degree, I can't look at the BMW X seven, the 2023 one and say, you know what? I just don't like that look because here is the pathfinder and the Palisade doing that very thing. And I think it's excellent. I think it's a fresh direction and it breaks up the, the tall front surface of a huge SUV. I think it's a good way of doing it. Whereas BMW, I think, is still trying their stuff out on the unsuspecting public and calling it good. I don't think it's good yet. It's it's funny you say that, though, because I remember being in Seattle when the Palisade first came out for Lemons. And we were talking about it because we'd just seen one at one of the, the car parks there at the airport. Mm-hmm. And it had just won all these design awards. Yeah. And you looked at it and you're like, why did that win awards? It's ugly. You hated it. Did you I? thought it was awful. You did. Did I? It's clearly grown on you. It's kind of funny. It's definitely grown on me. And it wasn't because of any awards necessarily. But the, the more I've dissected it, the more I see what that vertical light, the signature lighting element, not mm-hmm. the headlights, but that lighting element is bisected by a graphic form. But before it was willy-nilly. It was random. Sure. It didn't yeah, seem yeah. to connect to anything. It was just there. We decided to put it there because it looked visually correct to the design team. Sure. But here now they've taken that and actually refined it. So you look at those lines and there's just a slight bow to some of those lines. Very sl- it's not just a free form curve. And so for for me it looks more geometric to my eye. I, I think it's great. It's far more refined. Yeah. I think they've really found something. I'm still not a fan. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. <laughs> Uh, Jeremy Carmudgeon over on our Discord channel asks, is the Miata now a cul-de-sac car? It's roughly a 2,400-pound roadster that doesn't exist anywhere else. There's really nothing that competes with it other than the, the 86, which is mm. you know, mm-hmm. also light by these standards, but it's still 400 pounds heavier than a Miata. Uh, what do you think? It can be. And we had a question before, and I forget, uh, apologies, I forget who asked us, but asking about tuning out of class, a cul-de-sac car and going even further. Yes, you absolutely can. And then you're off into the weeds, but that's what it's brilliant at doing. And I suppose it is, but Mazda has found the sweet spot. I think they realized that with the second generation that Mm -hmm. nobody's ever really going to build something at a mass market level to compete with this. We can keep going and corner the market, which they have, or we could stop now. Well, both Honda and Pontiac tried with the S2000 and the, yes. the Solstice Sky GT thing. Exactly right. There is not a convertible version no. of the GR86. No. There's not a shortened version. There's not nothing really that competes with that Miata. So that means Mazda kind of had some future vision knowing they would corner the market. Because of the community and the racing series and the entire, you know, the lore surrounding that car. It's not necessarily a sales leader. That's what the Mazda 3 is for. Yeah. But they've cornered the market and they can refine it. But now, I think for the future, they've got something they can build possibly a small electric sports car on. Could be. Yeah. They've got that in their hip pocket because they've continued to refine it. If they don't, fine. They've got a brilliant sports car. Yeah. And they know what they're doing with it. That's for sure. Indeed. Let's see. Matt Garrett, 82, was listening to podcast 401, because why not? Where I was talking about singerizing classic cars and it made him think, why don't original car manufacturers like Porsche, like Jaguar, offer those services to their own old vehicles? They sort of do. Porsche does, kind of. Porsche does. I mean, mostly it falls under the classic department, like Mercedes Classic. Yeah. There's also a bit of customization you can do. But for the most part, singerizing involves a lot of human labor. And that isn't cost effective. It's a hand-built thing. They will happily pass that cost along to you, and that's why singers cost so much, why any hand-built, bespoke anything costs so much. It's the cost of torturing the material into the shape that you want and paying the people to do so. It is not really the cost of the material. Depends on the material. But you're paying for the labor and their labor to torture that material into the shape. 
So for a singer, imagine Porsche Jaguar doing that very thing. Well, yeah, and also so imagine the, the... I'll give you an example. Recently at the Amelia Island uh, concourse events, the PCA, Porsche Club of, of America, unveiled their new club coupe, right. which was since it was a, a 996 era 911 that they bought used that was a pretty janky looking car. I saw before yeah. pictures of it. Yeah. And they, they sent it to Porsche Classic and had Porsche do their thing. And they it, it was basically just a, a normal standard Carrera 2, nothing special about that particular car. But they had them put in a GT3 drivetrain, GT3 suspension, all that stuff. Yes. The ducktail fin at the back, if I remember right. The the woven leather seat inserts that look like tartan or houndstooth, I mean. Brilliant. And it, it yes. looked amazing. But when you look at what they did to build that car, it took three years, two or three years. <laughs> and they, they, they used a second car as a test mule for a proof of concept before that they tested it all at all their test tracks. So mm. having a car manufacturer doing a project like that, they're going to go all out and do the Porsche thing, the Jaguar thing or the BMW thing because they're a manufacturer and they're going to do it right. And they're, if they're yeah. going to put their name on it and stamp of approval, it's going to go through all their usual rigmarole of tests. Whereas singer, they're going to do their tests too, but they're all about the form and the handcraftedness and the, the, touches you know having the having the screws all turned at just the right way and and everything inserted the same exact spot every single time they're about the finer details whereas the manufacturer is going to make sure it all works right not that singers don't work but they're going to make sure that the r&d is done well, of and, course and all that so they're going to go further than i think singer even has the ability to do from that same kind of yeah, standpoint. They've, they've got the library. They've got... From an engineering standpoint, right. Very true. But meanwhile, those OEMs are selling cars. Yeah. They're making money. They can afford to take their time. Whereas Singer over here, they can afford to take their time, but then they're going to pass that cost on to you. Whereas an OEM looks at that as not an effective business model. No. They're here to sell cars the end. Now, Porsche is one of the last, the few remaining car companies on the planet where you can pretty much make your own car with the amount of customization. And guess what? You pay for it even at that oh, yeah. standard customization level. Like we were talking about paint to sample. Mm -hmm. It is paint to sample, but you're still limited to the palette. Right. It's a large paint palette, but you still have to play within the lines. You still have to play within right. their rules. And at that point, I mean, $12,000 for a paint job and that custom leather, you know, color, that stitching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can customize it a lot, but... As cool as it is, they're still selling the Macans and the Cayennes and the regular Panameras over here. They're still just churning you know, cars out. <laughs> they're happy to pass those costs along to you. Yeah. Which one would you rather have? Depends on the wait time and, and what, what you'd want. But I would think Jaguar would be less inclined to do that because they're even more boutique. They're even yeah. a smaller yeah, yeah. car company than Porsche. Porsche also has the Volkswagen Group muscle behind them too. So, well, they they built those continuation lightweight E types a few years back. They did. And they they still do it, but manufacturers doing that kind of thing that's a special job. It costs lots and lots of money because it costs them lots and lots of money, and so they're trying to make up that difference. Yeah, and I guess for Singer, you can go to them with anything, and anything is possible. Where there is still kind of a limit with the OEMs. Yeah. Speaking of Porsches, though, I got a few comments about updates on my own car. Uh, yeah, you were getting comments uh, from Discord. From, from Yeah, uh, and I guess it's been a while since it's been on here. Discord. But during the uh, Utah meetup last fall, we had a track day, and I was chasing you around track, which was a blast, <laughs> I must say. Uh, I had a slight um, smoke screen that I laid and blew up my engine. <laughs> Still horrified and sorry for that. Yeah, so uh, the car had 191,000 miles on it. I tracked it a lot. I did a lot of Canon driving in it. I daily drove it. It was my only car, so I freaked out a bit over it for a minute. Um, I still have it. It's sitting under my Covercraft cover in my garage. Uh, plans are to rebuild it. I'm not selling it anytime soon, if ever. Um, actually, this coming week, next Thursday, I've got a a meeting with flat six innovations. They're the go-to oh, they've bumped that up. Eventually when I, I contacted them back in January, February, I think it was, 
They told me they were booked out till April next year, and they weren't even going to start book putting more people on their list until January next year. They're not quoting anybody until December this year what? because of the supply chain and everything that's right. going on. Right. They've had, had enough uh, asks lately, I guess, that they've decided to move their seminar up for pricing and quotes to next week. Okay. Um, not that I can afford that right now. But you're starting an but, initial discussion. Yes. Wow. Uh, where that goes, I don't know, but I'd like to at least know what kind of it dollar number I'm bank account. I'm, that's I'm where it goes. So I know where that's looking at, <laughs> looking like. But uh, that that is the plan. Um, I'm sure I'm going to see dollar signs fly out of my wallet mm. and and go and hide for a while because I can't do that. Right yeah, but now, what but else but, do you have to spend money on? Food, clothes, shelter. Yeah. So ah, whatever. <laughs> but that that's the plan, and that's what's going on with that. In the meantime, I'm driving around a hundred and twenty-five thousand mile. 2008 Mazda 3 2.3 manual. It's straight on gas, and that's about where that goes. There you go. It's your commute car. <laughs> that's a great commute car. I love it. Well, the Damon KB on Instagram has noticed an alarming trend of people hitting his cars with their doors in parking lots. Both yeah, times he was in the vehicle, and the person acted like it was no big deal. It happens. Now, he makes a habit of not parking near anyone. Yes, that's Paul parking. And they still search you out. It grinds my chestnuts. When you're parked way out in the parking lot and somebody goes, ha ha, and parks next to you. Now, neither of these incidents caused any damage, but that's not really the point. Is he alone in thinking that cars were not meant to touch each other? (laughs) Well, there's (laughs) legions of coders, armies of coders in Silicon Valley and around the world. Trying to prevent that from happening. Trying to, to look into the future of autonomous cars. And their code stacks are definitely preventing that from happening. That's the point. But you're right. It's a, it's an outlook on cars. It's what cars are to you. Yeah. Is it appliance? Is it a thing? Don't care. But I think what non-car, I know what non-car people don't realize, and that is how much cars mean to all of us enthusiasts. Yeah. And it seems odd to paint our cars with something that can get dinged with a surface. You're, your final surface yeah, why don't is they have that, like, that? shiny. It's supposed to remain shiny mm-hmm. and it's fragile. There's, you know, <laughs> why aren't they all coated with that like silicone stuff you see on your, your, uh, your cooking utensils, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. Why isn't it the spray in bed liner? Yeah. Well, it's because of beauty. It's because cars are beautiful. It's because they're fun to look at because bright, shiny, beautiful cars say something about you. Right. Just like dress clothes. I mean, I, I had an employer once tell me if dress clothes or the, the monkey suit, if that's what it takes to join the working world, he's like, I want no part of that. I'm going to go be a designer. I'm going to go do my own thing. I was like, man, great. I agree sure. with you. But if the monkey suit is the requirement for entry, he wanted no part of that. Same thing with cars. This is the requirement? No. But I, I take your point, the Damon KB. It's It sucks. It's awful. Yeah. But I don't know what to tell you other than continue to try to park strategically, but there's going to be those people who don't care. I will say too, that if you're the guy that double parks, that puts more of a target on your back. I feel like for, sure. for Never a lot double, of people don't, park. don't yeah. do it that way. Yeah. I mean, you give yourself space, but people are going to be more prone to <laughs> yeah, not, not sure. trying to hit you, but they're, they're going to make their point for you. Double parking. Yeah. Uh, too soon. Junior is asking what my Funnest favorite shoot was that we've ever worked on. I've got, I came up with two on this actually. Oh, did you? The first one was when we did a rally ready. I'd never shot rally dirt kind of stuff before. I'd never Um, driven rally before. You'd never driven rally before. (laughs) Uh, That was one of the few shoots that I didn't get to drive anything either. And it was still up there for one of my funnest. You did ride the day, but that's where it's going. (laughs) Um, Before I rode with him though, he took both you and Todd out in, in his ARA car Jeez. Which was a 400 horsepower stripped out STI on rally. You know, it was a proper it was monster, a real rally car. Yeah, took you guys out into this into the the backfield track. I forget the name of that one, but there's a gate right there at the corner that leads into that field, and it crosses into the other part of the track that they use for the more basic stuff. But there's also horses that live in this bigger field. So I was standing guard at the gate to make sure none of the horses came around. And even though they were scared off by the car. Right. uh, So I was doing some filming right there at the gate. And I was expecting that the first time around, he he just came back towards the gate, did a 180, and went back the other direction. Right. 
The second time around, I was expecting him to do that, and I had my camera phone out, and I was shooting this. He went flying through the gate. He Un- was full throttle. It was full throttle. He was probably doing at least 60 through that gate, yeah. if not faster, on the dirt. And I was, you know, got the real rally experience where I was probably three feet off his door, if that. <laughs> I've got, it was like, on drone, too. I've got, I've got oh, screenshots right. of everything. That's he right. was close, but what an experience that was. Oh, my gosh. And then I got to ride with him after that, which was just amazing. He's properly nuts. With rally cars are just a whole different level of cool and awesome and holy cow car control. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The other one was uh, the Dream Drive shoot we did with the Haggerty Daytona Coupe and yes. the 356 yes. Speedster. Uh, for those that don't know, the Daytona Coupe is right up there. It was one of my all-time favorite cars next to the GT40, depending on the day of the week. Um, but getting to drive those on Pacific Coast Highway was just one of those weeks that we all just kept pinching ourselves that <laughs> this is our work week? Like, what? This is the kind of bucket list thing people dream of doing and here we are doing it yeah that was and pretty cool getting to cross the the bixby bridge at sunset in a daytona coupe was that was just incredible yeah that 356 was from our friends at monterey touring vehicles right in monterey and they'll rent you all kinds of stuff and it yeah. doesn't matter if it's not the perfect show car but that just makes it drivable right and the 356 was a replica but none of us cared because it felt like a porsche it felt like it was old cool porsche. so cool and yes the Haggerty Daytona Coupe was loud. Yeah. It hit you in the chest. It was so yeah. good. It was so good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was, that was a good one. I like that. Well, Petrolhead2003 says, with regards to electric vehicles, what is the ideal horsepower to range ratio, or conversely, range to horsepower ratio? Or should such metrics be used when comparing electric vehicles? Hmm. You know, I've never thought of that. I've never had that as a metric in my mind this range should equal to at least this much horsepower and i think it's because we all know that even the least electric vehicle the least powerful is still going to feel quick oh yeah just because of the nature of the electric vehicle it's still going to feel fun to drive and very different and pretty quick so i've never thought well a thousand horsepower vehicle yeah that should equate to more or less should I give up my range because I want a thousand horsepower electric well, sports car? With with a gas powered car that's got a thousand horsepower, you're not going to get the same range as a car with 120 horsepower. Exactly right, and that's why I've never associated. I've never thought. Right, you know it's, what? It's an interesting question. This 600 horsepower BMW M5, I need to get 31 mpg. No, I I know what I'm buying here. <laughs> here here's another. Now, I I don't know all the the technicalities and the the physics behind this, but so I'm going to get some of this a little wrong. I'm sure. But uh, several years ago, I was on the BYU's electric salt flats streamliner racing team Okay, where we built a 1,100 pound, looked like a little airplane kind of shaped car, single seater powered by 880 DeWalt drill batteries. And it was, it was about 200 horsepower, I think is what we, we figured that thing made. What was interesting though, if you looked at the battery pack of that car, it was long and skinny. Okay, I forget how right. I forget the length of it. It was pretty long, but it had eleven. I think it was eleven rows of eight battery strands that we stuck in there. So the long, long battery packs of eight of these battery cells from the Dewalt drills strung out. So it was and Tesla then, thinking, kind of, yeah. But then they were also stacked. I think it was three or four high. So it, okay. was, it was it was that kind of kind of it was a basically basically a box cube squared thing that the batteries ran in. Okay. It was longer than it was tall or wide. Okay. If, I, if I'm remembering correctly, the longer you have the strands strung out, the more power it makes. But the wider those strands are strung out, the longer it lasts. I don't understand how that worked. I never did. But that was my basic understanding of how that worked. So there, there's kind of a limit to how much we can even get out of that kind of technology to begin with. I mean, solid state batteries are coming at us. We know this. We've read about yeah. them, and I welcome that. I welcome battery technology to drastic, drastically improve and improve quickly because of weight, because of that very thing, holding electric cars back from being beautifully dynamic. But I've never thought, uh, I, I've never equated that. That's very interesting, yeah. but I don't know that that's a continuing metric or an, a metric you can even apply because in the future, theoretically, neither will matter will get a whole lot of horsepower and there'll be 500 to 800 miles of range 
simply because of the technology. Yeah. So it might not even matter. We might not have to think that way. Right. And with that, that streamliner we had, the, I mean, we ran it down the salt once and plugged it back in. We recharged it immediately. I don't know that it drains the batteries completely, but it, it killed a lot of that range. Did you have to buy 880 DeWalt chargers to plug each one? No. So we actually had, uh, it was like 10 or 11 RC car chargers that we hooked it up to. We made, we rigged up the plugs for that and, and, uh, we towed it, towed the car behind a big gigantic generator that was oversized. Of course it was, it was hilarious. Of course. But, uh, ran that, gen- we basically idled the generator to recharge the thing. That's how little <laughs> we needed that giant thing, but, but that's what, what we needed. Well, funny. Well, man, thanks for joining. Really appreciate you jumping on and, uh, yeah, we'll have Todd back next time, but, uh, write to us your car conclusions your topic Tuesdays, and most of all, your car debates. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.